Section 8 of The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Thomas Kuz Kuzmarski. The Man Who Laughs by Victor Hugo. Part One, Book the First, Chapter Five, The Tree of Human Intervention. It might be about seven o'clock in the evening. The wind was now diminishing. A sign, however, of a violent recurrence impending. The child was on the table land at the extreme south point of Portland. Portland is a peninsula. But the child did not know what a peninsula is, and was ignorant even of the name of Portland. He knew but one thing, which is, that one can walk until one drops down. An idea is a guide. He had no idea. They had brought him there, and left him there. They and there. These two enigmas represented his doom. They were humankind. There was the universe. For him, in all creation, there was absolutely no other basis to rest on but the little piece of ground where he placed his heel, ground hard and cold to his naked feet. In the great twilight world, open on all sides, what was there for the child? Nothing. He walks towards this nothing. Around him was the vastness of human desertion. He crossed the first plateau diagonally, then a second, then a third. At the extremity of each plateau, the child came upon a break in the ground. The slope was sometimes steep, but always short. The high, bare plains of Portland resemble great flagstones overlapping each other. The south side seems to enter under the protruding slab. The north side rises over the next one. These made ascents, which the child stepped over nimbly. From time to time he stopped, and seemed to hold counsel with himself. The night was becoming very dark. His radius of sight was contracting. He now only saw a few steps before him. All of a sudden he stopped, listened for an instant, and with an almost imperceptible nod of satisfaction, turned quickly and directed his steps towards an eminence of moderate height, which he dimly perceived on his right, at the point of the plain nearest the cliff. There was on the eminence a shape which in the mist looked like a tree. The child had just heard a noise in this direction, which was the noise neither of the wind nor of the sea, nor was it the cry of animals. He thought that someone was there, and in a few strides, he was at the foot 
of the hillock. In truth, someone was there. That which had been indistinct on the top of the eminence was now visible. It was something like a great arm thrust straight out of the ground. At the upper extremity of the arm a sort of forefinger, supported from beneath by the thumb, pointed out horizontally. The arm, the thumb, and the forefinger drew a square against the sky. At the point of juncture of this peculiar finger and this peculiar thumb, there was a line from which hung something black and shapeless. The line moving in the wind sounded like a chain. This was the noise the child had heard. Seen closely, the line was that which the noise indicated, a chain, a single chain cable. By that mysterious law of amalgamation, which throughout nature causes appearances to exaggerate realities, the place, the hour, the mist, the mournful sea, the cloudy turmoils on the distant horizon added to the effect of this figure and made it seem enormous. The mass linked to the chain presented the appearance of a scabbard. It was swaddled like a child and long like a man. There was a round thing at its summit, about which the end of the chain was rolled. The scabbard was riven asunder at the lower end, and shreds of flesh hung out between the rents. A feeble breeze stirred the chain, and that which hung to it swayed gently. The passive mass obeyed the vague motions of space. It was an object to inspire indescribable dread. Horror, which disproportions everything, blurred its dimensions while retaining its shape. It was a condensation of darkness, which had a defined form. Night was above and within the spectre. It was a prey of ghastly exaggeration. Twilight and moonrise, stars setting behind the cliff, floating things in space, the clouds, winds from all quarters, had ended by penetrating into the composition of this visible nothing. The species of log hanging in the wind partook of the impersonality diffused far over sea and sky, and the darkness completed this phase of the thing which had once been a man. It was that which is no longer. To be not but a reminder, such a thing is beyond the power of language to express. To exist no more, yet to persist, to be in the abyss, yet out of it, to reappear above death as if indissoluble, there is a certain amount of impossibility mixed with such reality. Thence comes the inexpressible. This being, was it a being? This black witness was a remainder, and an awful remainder. A remainder of what? Of nature first, and then of society. Not and yet total. The lawless inclemency of the weather held it at its will. The deep oblivion of solitude environed it. It was given up to unknown chances. 
it was without defence against the darkness which did with it what it willed it was forever the patient it submitted the hurricane that ghastly conflict of winds was upon it the spectre was given over to pillage it underwent the horrible outrage of rotting in the open air it was an outlaw of the tomb there was no peace for it even in annihilation in the summer it fell away into dust in the winter into mud death should be veiled the grave should have its reserve here was neither veil nor reserve but cynically avowed putrefaction it is effrontery in death to display its work it offends all the calmness of shadow when it does its task outside its laboratory the grave the dead thing had been stripped to strip one already stripped relentless act his marrow was no longer in his bones his entrails were no longer in his body his voice no longer in his throat a corpse is a pocket which death turns inside out and empties if he ever had a me where was the me there still perchance and this was fearful to think of something wandering about something in chains can one imagine a more mournful lineament in the darkness realities exist here below which serve as issues to the unknown which seem to facilitate the eagerness of speculation and at which hypothesis snatches conjecture has its compel intrare in passing by certain places and before certain objects one cannot help stopping a prey to dreams into the realms of which the mind enters in the invisible there are dark portals ajar no one could have met this dead man without meditating in the vastness of dispersion he was wearing silently away he had had blood which had been drunk skin which had been eaten flesh which had been stolen nothing had passed him by without taking somewhat from him december had borrowed cold of him midnight horror the iron rust the plague miasma the flowers perfume his slow disintegration has a toll paid to all a toll of the corpse to the storm to the rain to the dew to the reptiles to the birds all the dark hands of night had rifled the dead he was indeed an inexpressibly strange tenant a tenant of the darkness he was on a plain and on a hill and he was not he was palpable yet vanished he was a shadow accruing to the night after the disappearance of day into the vast of silent obscurity he became in lugubrious accord with all around him by his mere presence he increased the gloom of the tempest and the calm of stars the unutterable which is in the desert was condensed in him waif of an unknown fate he commingled with all the wild secrets of the night there was in his mystery a vague reverberation of all enigmas about him life seemed sinking to its lowest depths certainly and confidence appeared to diminish in his environs 
the shiver of the brushwood and the grass a desolate melancholy an anxiety in which a conscience seemed to lurk appropriated with tragic force the whole landscape to that black figure suspended by the chain the presence of a spectre in the horizon is an aggravation of solitude he was a sign having unappeasable winds around him he was implacable perpetual shuddering made him terrible fearful to say he seemed to be a centre in space with something immense leaning on him who can tell perhaps that equity hath seen and set at defiance which transcends human justice there was in his unburied continuance the vengeance of men and his own vengeance he was a testimony in the twilight and the waste he was in himself a disquieting substance since we tremble before the substance which is the ruined habitation of the soul for dead matter to trouble us it must once have been tenanted by spirit he denounced the law of earth to the law of heaven placed there by man he there awaited god above him floated blended with all the vague distortions of the cloud and the wave boundless dreams of shadow who could tell what sinister mysteries lurked behind this phantom the illimitable circumscribed by naught nor tree nor proof nor passer-by was around the dead man when the unchangeable broods over us when heaven the abyss the life grave and eternity appear patent then it is we feel that all is inaccessible all is forbidden all is sealed when infinity opens to us terrible indeed is the closing of the gate behind End of section eight. Recording by John Thomas Kuz Kuzmarski. www.validateyourlife.com.